I'm Sarah Rose, and this is the Mind Body Academy podcast. I'm here to teach you how to think yourself slim. It's not brain surgery, and I promise you can do it too. Listen in to find out how. What's up, everyone? I hope you're doing amazing. I just wanted to say that I'm really grateful to all of you for listening and sharing this podcast. I've heard from so many of you who've taken the time to dive into my new book, The Genius Body, and who've been engaging with this work, which tells me that you are taking the time to apply this work to changing your brains, to changing your bodies, and to changing your lives. And that's really the point of all of this. I think a lot of the time when we want to make some changes, we think we're facing a knowledge gap, but the bridge that closes that gap is action and application. And today we're going to talk about something that gets in the way of taking action and staying in action, and that's your self-critical brain, or rather your self-talk. So much of our thinking is charged with negativity And the way that we end up relating to ourselves is with judgment, blame, frustration, and justification. Regardless of what we're doing, we have this running commentary in the back of our minds that rambles on about what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. And it just talks and talks and talks in there and keeps tabs on all our shortcomings and takes jabs at our insecurities, right? So many of us can relate to this right? But sometimes we're just not fully aware of this voice inside our head. So it's kind of like this dull background awareness, like the adults in Charlie Brown. (laughs) But if you're thinking, what is this girl going on about? (laughs) I don't have a voice inside my head. That is the voice that I'm talking about. When your mental commentary is constantly second guessing you and telling you that you're not as good as other people doing what you're doing or that you don't know what you're doing and you're just going to automatically assume that those self-assessments are accurate and you'll act as if they were true. Not because they are by any stretch, but because those uninvestigated thoughts get internalized as beliefs and those beliefs form the upper limit of what you believe is possible for you. They form your identity. And that determines what you do and what you don't do in your life. Many of us end up giving up way too easily on our goals and ambitions simply so that we can get relief from our own self-criticism. So it's so important to become aware of the substance and tone of the conversation we're having with ourselves. It's hard to put yourself out there and take action or make the connections you need to succeed when you're unrelenting with the pressure you're putting on yourself and picking yourself apart or your work apart every opportunity you get. The first thing that needs to happen is that you need to step back objectively. So you're not identifying with the voice. You are not the voice in your head. You are the one that hears it. That's good news because you don't have to strive to change the content of the conversation or to be nicer with yourself. That's nice and all, but that usually doesn't work as an immediate strategy. It's more aspirational. (laughs) All you really need to do is change how you're relating to the thoughts that you're overhearing. 
most of us are totally identified with our thoughts. We're sucked back into our own self-talk and it just feels like that inner voice is us. So we default to believing that we are what our thoughts tell us we are. When we aren't able to recognize this about ourselves, we're constantly having to figure out which of the voices is truly who we are. Am I the voice that tells me I'm a lazy, no good loser? (laughs) Or am I the voice that tells me I'm a hard worker who is capable of figuring anything out? Which is it? Am I the voice that tells me that I want the box of cookies? (laughs) Or am I the voice that tells me I want to lose weight? The answer is none of the above. But notice how we entertain all these different and opposite views about ourselves and how we are always talking ourselves into seeing things one way or another. So it's this mental tug of war, this internal friction where it feels like you're fighting yourself on the decisions you're making about which voice to listen to is what is known as cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance occurs when we're holding two opposing thoughts in our minds at the same time. I like to think of it as mental bloating, right? That feeling you get after you've eaten a lot of food, it's the same thing, but in your mind. It's uncomfortable and it tires you down, right? You're trying to digest two thoughts that just don't agree when you're mixing them together, right? Once they hit your stomach, so you feel a little uneasy on the other side of that because it's tiring. And once you get mentally worn down by trying to digest those two thoughts at the same time, that's when decision fatigue sets in. And decision fatigue is when we start to make trade-offs between what we feel like doing and what we need to be doing to be in alignment with our well-being, to be in alignment with who we want to be, right? We end up just defaulting back to the decisions that come easiest to us because it's a debate in our heads over what to do. So the quality of our decision-making becomes much more impulsive and emotionally driven rather than rational and a lot of the times it doesn't even feel like choice anymore it just feels like we don't have choice over what we're thinking or feeling or doing it feels very out of control it feels like it's just what's happening or that our emotions are just happening to us and there's not that capacity to then redirect our minds or to generate emotion intentionally as humans we are always looking for the freedom and ability to choose If you've struggled with eating issues or self-doubt or being highly self-critical, the way you make your choices and decisions is at the very core of that struggle. What happens is that many of us want to make our decisions in the moment because we rationalize that spontaneity equals freedom and flexibility, but it's actually the lack of decisions ahead of time and the lack of decisiveness that robs us of the very freedom we are seeking to preserve when we are indecisive. To elaborate on that, what I mean is that when we are trying to make all our decisions in the moment, what we want in the moment is going to conflict with our deeper desires for our lives. Boom. Cognitive dissonance, right? There's that internal push-pull between competing wants again. A lot of the things that we want to achieve and create require delayed gratification. What happens in the moment when we haven't decided how we're going to make the decision that's in front of us, let's say about what to eat, is that the attention contracts around the immediate want. The attention gets absorbed by that desire, absorbed by that craving. Intention builds and builds around it until you're about ready to burst and you want to get 
out of the discomfort so much that you're prone to making your decisions reactively and then beat yourself up for it afterwards, right? Because there's that internal conflict and resistance. Okay, so there's a workaround here. It works with all kinds of mental back and forth between thoughts and decisions, but let's stay with the example of going back and forth on whether you should eat something that you're craving. Typically what happens is that you'll try to resist the voice that tells you to eat it. So the voice that tells you to eat it and the voice that tells you you probably shouldn't eat it get into a bit of a shouting match. It's like, yes, you should. No, you shouldn't. Yes, you should. Uh-huh. 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 Right? <laughs> We've all experienced that, of that temptation, that desire, whether that's for food or pulling out our phones or whatever decision we're being faced with, wherever we have options. Now, here is where you need to remind yourself that none of those voices, neither of the, those voices is you. You are the one hearing them. You are the background awareness. So your tension pinballs between one voice and the other voice and back and forth and back and forth, kind of like the little angel on your shoulder and the little devil on the other. One is going, I'm right and you're wrong. And the other is going, no, I'm right and you're wrong. And you're just there listening before you decide what to do. But you are the awareness of those voices. So the best way to find peace in that moment and diffuse the cognitive dissonance is to let go of either voice being right or wrong. Ultimately, right or wrong is whatever you decide, right? Okay, so one voice is telling you that you should indulge your craving and the other is telling you you shouldn't. Instead of making yourself wrong for thinking the thought that you're having, right, for having your craving or desire being pulled towards immediate gratification, what you can do is acknowledge and validate both sides, both voices. Similar to when you're in a difficult conversation with another person, what you need to know is that when you prove someone wrong, even if you are in the right, what results is a sense of disconnection between the two people. So even if you prove yourself right, there's a loss in the intimacy there because you're both walking away a loser, right? You're both creating the result of a sense of disconnection. And that also occurs within yourself when you're proving one voice right and another wrong or listening to one and then trying to be very dismissive of the other. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, I don't want to listen to the voice that tells me to eat the cookie or <laughs> whatever else you might be craving. But whether you want to or not, you are the awareness that is hearing that voice and what it has to say. You can't change that. The voice just is going to be there. It's going to say what it has to say. If you try to shout at it or silence it, you're just creating another voice on top of that. You're going to end up making it louder and louder until it's so loud that you just end up doing what the voice says to shut it up. If you think about a kid in a candy store or in a grocery store and the kid wants the candy and is just nagging and nagging and nagging, right? The quickest way to shut it up is just to give it the candy. But we want to change the relationship to the voice that we're hearing, even when it's asking for the candy. Instead of getting combative, argumentative with it, or trying to shut it up by reacting to whatever the voice is offering, you can just allow it to be there, allow it to freak out a little bit. And because you're not freaking out about it freaking out, there's nowhere for that resistance to tense up against. It just kind of flows through you and it passes. 
you want to remain conversational. You want to hold space for the voices to just express what they're saying without needing to react to it. And you do that by acknowledging what both voices are saying. You hear them both out. You're not listening to determine which one you should listen to and which one you should stop listening to and stop paying attention to. When you remain receptive and open and you're willing to get curious, you remove the need for either voice to get guarded or defensive. And so it doesn't escalate, doesn't get louder in your mind. Without any defensiveness, there's no need to mount an attack. The internal tension starts to simmer down and dissipate and dissolve. So if you have a voice that's nagging you to indulge a craving or to make any kind of specific decision that you're going back and forth on, you can acknowledge it and say to yourself, I do want that. And I want this other thing, and here's why. It doesn't have to be an either or. It can be an and. You're flowing one desire into the other desire that you want to reinforce. And so you're not negating anything. This also works for thoughts. So our brain comes up with all kinds of self-critical thoughts. that We're losers, that we're fat, that we're to this, that we're to that, right? Always has things to say. <laughs> We are the biggest fault finders in our own selves. Instead of fighting the flow of those thoughts when we're being hosed by them like a fire hydrant in our own minds, if you can just acknowledge them as thoughts that you are currently having, you'll be able to grab hold of the hose and redirect the flow of your thinking. Okay, my brain keeps telling me that I'm lazy. I am willing to consider how that can sometimes be true and... I can think of lots of other times where I don't think that about myself at all. Even if you don't want to agree with the content of the thought, you can agree that you are having the thought. That's just what your brain is offering up. You can observe the thought and roll with it instead of resisting it. Okay, brain, you keep telling me I'm a loser. Sure, (laughs) let's go with that. Okay, now what? Such a powerful phrase. It kind of stops us in our tracks. Okay. Now what? Where are we going from here? This is where we're starting from in this moment, but this isn't where we're staying. You're redirecting the mind so you're not just looping with the same thought of being a loser, whatever it is for you, over and over again in your mind. If there's a part of you that's believing something that would maybe be hard to admit to yourself or to admit out loud, you can just acknowledge that that's your truth in that moment and admit it to yourself. Nobody else needs to know. That doesn't make it the capital T truth and your solid identity. It's just the way you're seeing it. And that's okay. You can't change it if you don't accept it first. That's why we're not trying to change the conversation. At first, we're just becoming aware of the nature of the conversation and The nature of the conversation will change on its own when you start practicing, staying in agreement with yourself. First, your brain is going to be like, uh, seriously, you agree with me? (laughs) It's used to hearing another voice talk back. Wait, what does not compute? (laughs) But you'll feel all your defenses relax. And when all defenses are down, the war is over. The pressure is off because you're actually hearing yourself out. You can actually then 
respond to the situation or become responsive to yourself because you're no longer reacting to the inner conflict. It's a conversation. Once you're in agreement with yourself, you can make a decision that feels like it's for you instead of against you. Can you feel that difference? That shift is everything. What we get from all of this is that the inner conversation we have with ourselves matters because the nature of how we're relating to ourselves determines the nature of how we're relating to everything else, to the food that we're eating, to the people we surround ourselves with, to our work, to the things we're doing, to everything, everything. To create more of the life you really want and a body you really love, you can't have an adversarial relationship to yourself. If you're always fighting yourself, you're going to keep walking away from that dynamic, feeling like you're at a loss, not good enough, just feeling self-critical and doubtful and judgmental. You've probably heard the saying that you can be your own worst enemy. And I mean, I think most people would agree with that statement. So you need a way to tend and befriend your own inner life when you're experiencing that divisiveness within yourself. You have to learn how to have your own back and how to have an ally in yourself when you're making changes. To be supportive of those changes, your self-talk soundtrack has to be an ally in that. But it's okay if that's not the case right now. It's just a question of getting to know yourself like anyone else, like someone you want to be friends with. Even if they're a little standoffish or give you the cold shoulder at first, like anyone, there can be a getting to know period before those defenses come down. That's why curiosity is so important. When you become deeply interested in yourself, and I'm not talking about from an ego place, it's more like when a friend pops into your mind and you're kind of thinking about yourself like that. So it's not this hyper focus and fixation on yourself, but you can be kind of fascinated and much more compassionate with the thoughts that you're having when you start to extend curiosity towards yourself. It activates your reflex to care. You have to care about yourself enough to claim better outcomes for yourself in your life, not just on the long-term horizon, but in the way that you win the day and that you walk away feeling like you made the day a good day. And that's a hard and even impossible thing to do when your self-talk is so negative that you don't even want to hang out with yourself in your own head and you're having to distract yourself away from yourself all of the time, whether that's by escaping through food or throwing yourself into your work or just always becoming consumed with difficult relationships around you to just pull yourself out of your own mind and distract away from the internal source of so many of the problems that we're dealing with, right? When it's just crippling, when we go into our own minds that way, it it cripples us in so many areas of our lives, in our personal lives, in our work lives. And of course, when it comes to things like losing weight, just our overall health and mental health, which is not to say that it's necessarily debilitating to the point where you don't get stuff done and that you're walking around moping around but 
it definitely impacts your level of ability and effectiveness. It sucks the joy right out of everything you're doing when you have a hard time appreciating yourself and being a support to yourself. It's like when somebody tells you that you're beautiful, but you don't see it that way, don't agree, and it's in one ear and out the other. Because you're withholding positive emotion from yourself, you're not receptive to that and you're constantly having to do things to earn your own self-respect. So you're hustling for your own opinion of yourself. And many of us are guilty of doing this without really realizing it, especially if you're an overachiever. But when you're constantly judging yourself, you're actually limiting yourself from doing the very best you fucking can. (laughs) When you're always in your own ear telling yourself that you're not good enough, that you're not doing enough, and that you don't look good enough, or that you're not reaching your potential, what's limiting you from reaching your potential are the limits that you are defaulting to in your mind because you're in opposition to yourself. It's just so much fight, so much resistance that you just want to lay it all down on the ground at one point and and give up to have freedom from that. So you're resisting the possibility and because of that, you're not seeing the possibility that's there. It doesn't feel worth the fight. Feel the oppressiveness of that kind of not enough language and all the shoulds that we place on ourselves. We should all over ourselves all the time. Really feel into that. Because what you'll begin to become aware of is that it's really this abusive way of being. Right? If you had to speak your self-talk out loud, what would other people around you become conscious of? Most of the time we speed through our lives that we just tolerate this about ourselves. We don't take a moment to pause and to say, whoa, what's going on here? And to tend to that relationship, most of us are way harsher and meaner in our own minds than we would ever be with anyone else or out loud, right? So just imagine, like consider for a moment who you would be in your life if you dropped all of that kind of thinking, if you just accepted that that's what's coming up for you, that that's the conversation you're having, and then you let it go. Who would you be if you were no longer in conflict with yourself? You'd be free. Just imagine what you would be capable of. You wouldn't be so limited by what your thoughts are telling you. You wouldn't just be at the effect of your thinking, you would be able to direct your thinking and open up and create possibility for yourself. So you could redecide everything and anything about yourself at any time and redirect your focus, not resist where your focus is going and how it can be pulled into that internal conflict, but just to relax it open into a conversation. So let's review. Phase one is awareness. Cognitive dissonance, that mental discomfort is just a signal to pay attention because you're identifying with two different thoughts simultaneously and that's creating a sense of separation from within yourself. You're noticing where you're carrying that energy of judgment, conflict, or defiance within yourself and then you're stepping back from it. You're holding objective space. You're recognizing the thoughts that you're having as thoughts and you're allowing them to be acknowledged, seen, heard, felt so that they can be understood. 
You're hearing them out, just like you would another person. You're allowing the thoughts to be there without trying to change them or without having one win out over the other. It's not about figuring out what's right or wrong or what to listen to. It's about listening non-judgmentally in the present moment to whatever is alive in you right now, whatever conversation is there, which in fact is how we define mindfulness, paying attention on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally. You're just practicing being the watcher of your mind, the listener of that internal dialogue that you're having. The dialogue that is arising in you, the dialogue that you're having with yourself is not your fault. You're not doing anything wrong. You're human. (laughs) Negative thoughts and emotions are part of that human experience. Every single human can relate to that can't relate to that you're a cyborg (laughs) we have our moments when we project what's going on through our minds in that internal dialogue onto people and things around us or where we get comfortable in our discomfort and stagnate because we get ourselves into a negative spin with this internal dialogue that can be completely judgmental and abusive keeps us in this sense of ourselves that is smaller than we're actually capable of. And so there's this perpetual sense of feeling like we're missing something or that we're capable of more. And we can all relate to that to varying degrees. All you need to recognize is that it's either a conversation or a conflict. You can move beyond that inner resistance and transcend the conflict by deciding that you don't have to argue with your mind. Of course, that doesn't mean that you act on everything it says. But you can establish common ground through acknowledgement by seeking agreement, which is simple, but not always easy to do because it can be hard to just admit to ourselves whatever opinion of ourselves is or whatever it is that we're actually thinking but it's actually resisting what our brains are telling us that hurts even more than just letting whatever's arising just be what it is. When you open yourself up and include your negative thoughts and emotions in your experience of yourself by accepting that they are there but don't define you, you'll enlarge your capacity to be with yourself which is so key in those moments when you need yourself the most. When you take a risk and it doesn't pay off or something terrible happens or you fail and you need to get back up, but you're down on the ground. You need to be able to depend on yourself in those moments. And that's a hard and impossible thing. Again, if you're not right there with yourself, if you're instead kind of like the bully towering over you (laughs) you need someone who's going to be right there to pull you back up just think about what could become possible for you when it stops being you versus you and starts being you and you you're in this life thing with yourself so take a moment to feel into that possibility it doesn't mean that you stop challenging yourself or that the resistance stops coming up That's important to acknowledge because some of us think that we can just get rid of the negative. 
and we feel negative about the negative and then we get sandwiched into the negative because we're sad about being sad and we're stressed about being stressed and we're anxious about being anxious and it's just this negativity sandwich. But when you remove that second layer, that's where you can open yourself up to flowing between the negative and the positive with so much more ease. There's not this knee-jerk reaction to react with negative emotion to negative emotion. So it's the nature of the human mind to bring up resistance and to just recognize that about ourselves as humans can be profound. Your relationship then to the resistance becomes radically different. The impact that you can have on your life becomes radically different. It takes practice to move beyond self-judgment and to meet yourself with self-acceptance and humanity and kindness. But the more you cultivate a real friendship with yourself through life, the more you'll be able to impact change in your own life and to direct the changes you want to make and to impact the lives of all those around you. It brings about a much more joyful human existence. And notice that I didn't say happy, joyful, because there's these moments where it's part of our humanity to experience pain, to experience suffering. But when we can trust ourselves to transcend beyond it, there's not this fear that we're going to leave ourselves in this place where the negative feeling is final. We can trust ourselves to be there when we're needing to be compassionate in those moments where for whatever reason, we're experiencing a lot of negative emotion or a lot of negative thinking. Not to be a total cheese ball, but <laughs> it really does start with you. You'll always be without the things that you're seeking in life. Love, abundance, freedom. If you don't start bringing them alive within you first, that's why if you want to make a change, we start there. That's all I have for you today. It's deep, it's profound, and it will change your life if you start living this way. You are someone worth getting to know. Have an amazing, amazing day. I'll talk to you again very soon. Hey, if you're ready to see your body change from the inside out, join the next Genius Body Transformation Challenge. Seven days that will change how you approach weight loss forever. It's been known to help people just like you start losing weight in a way that you can actually keep it off. Just click on the link in the show notes and let's start a transformation today.